So this morning, I'm going to continue um, our Advent series that is entitled, Jesus Brings Us Gifts, the gifts that Jesus brings us. And uh, the one we're going to talk about this morning is the gift of joy. Jesus brings us the gift of joy. You know, as the angel appeared to the shepherds, he said, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that the King is coming. The song that we sing every Advent season, and I'm sure we'll get it in the next couple of weeks, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Jesus comes to bring us the gift of joy. Trying to understand the gift of joy, I think, can be a little tricky for us. I want to try to help us out as we get going this morning a little bit. Think for a second, what is it that brings you joy? Now, maybe in a little different vein, what is it that brings you happiness? There is a distinct difference between joy and happiness. I think sometimes they get all lumped together or we kind of interpose one for the other or something like that. But it, I want to be clear this morning about what is this joy that Jesus is bringing us the gift of. So I want to go through a little list of some of the differences between joy and happiness. Joy is constant. Happiness is temporary. Joy is about selflessness. Happiness involves pleasing ourselves. Joy can be deeply spiritual. Happiness can lack depth sometimes. Joy is a choice we make. We all choose to look after happiness. Joy involves trials and hardships. Happiness is easier, easier to achieve. I'm reminded of this truth about joy. Nine years ago, my brother passed away. I had the great privilege of being able to go down to Texas to be with him for the last week and a half of his life. There was not a lot of happiness. It was a tough time. He was in a lot of pain. He had cancer. But through that whole time we spent together, there was a huge amount and really tangible joy. Because he would just say over and over, you know what, it's all right, I know where I'm going. My nephew was in college. My niece was a junior in high school when they lost her dad. It wasn't a lot of happiness, but there was still joy. Joy is transformative. Happiness and the search for it can hold us back sometimes. Joy is less common, and it's a stronger feeling than happiness. Joy is more difficult to define, and happiness is easier to describe and probably easier to attain. So I've had the good fortune with my three boys to be in attendance at both college graduations, and ceremonies of great achievement that they've received. And I was a pretty proud papa up in those stands, in that audience, watching them either receive a diploma or given an honor or an achievement. And it was a lot of work put in to help them get to those points in their life. My wife and I spent a lot of time investing them in them even before they were born. It was a commitment. It took a lot of time. It was expensive, 
But it was something that we really enjoyed doing, and it brought us great joy to witness their achievements. They were happy about it, but we had joy in what they were experiencing. Playing golf makes me happy. Watching college football makes me happy. Going out to dinner at a good restaurant makes me happy. The problem with being happy is it fleets, goes away quickly. We get it, we feel it, we enjoy it, and then we're on to the next search for the next thing that makes us happy. Jesus offers a joy that has a completeness to it. Then once it's offered, it never goes away. It stands the test of time. Jesus gives us a joy that's rooted in obedience and not a promise of happiness. I want to look at our passage this morning from the Gospel of John. If you would read along with me in your bulletin. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 14. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So the context of this passage is the time that Jesus spent with his disciples in the upper room before the night that he was arrested and then went along to be crucified and rose after that. So he spent a lot of time with them. He covered a lot of ground because he wanted to prepare them for what was coming. And part of that preparation was to try to help them understand the joy and where that joy comes from that was going to be available to them. He told them about his impending death. He washed their feet as an act of humility and service. He predicted his betrayal by one of them that was going to be in that room with him. He challenges Peter's love for him and predicts his denial. He comforts them with the promise that he's coming back and he's preparing a place for them. And by the way, all these things are true for us as well. He comforts them with the promise of what is ahead. He promises the Holy Spirit to comfort and to guide him when he's gone. He commands them to be obedient to all the teachings he's given them. There was a repetitive theme through the time that Jesus spent with his disciples that it is important for you to do the things that I'm modeling for you and the things that I'm asking you to do. There is a level of obedience that is going to be worth it. And it's my plan for you. He tells them that obedience is possi not possible without staying connected to him. Right before this passage is the vine and the branches and staying connected to Jesus to give us the ability to remain obedient and to be fruitful. The joy that Jesus speaks about involves three things. It involves loving God, obeying his commands, and loving others.
Jesus modeled all this for us. There is never a time that he asks us to do something that he hasn't modeled or given us instruction and an idea how to do. Jesus speaks of joy that he has and a joy that he offers us, and it's all tied to his purpose. See, his purpose was to come and glorify his Father and to love his Father and to show us what that kind of a relationship looks like. His other part of his purpose was to be obedient to his Father, even obedient unto death on a cross as a sacrifice for us. And then lastly, the third part of his purpose was to show us what it looks like to love others sacrificially and not look out for ourselves selfishly. There is a connection or a a going together of the difference between joy and happiness. Joy revolving around obedience and purpose and the satisfaction that comes from that or the seeking of happiness that is self-seeking. His example shows us our purpose. Our purpose is simple. It's very similar to what his purpose was. He tells us our purpose is to love God, to be obedient, and to love others. Our joy is tied to our purpose, and we also have those three things. The loving God part, I think, is probably the easiest. Because honestly, our love for God is not much more than our response to realizing and starting to grasp his love for us. Uh, Author Brennan Manning uses this phrase that when he realized how much God loves him, he says he was seized by the power of a great affection. And our response is simply to love God in return. The obedience part and the loving others part, I think that's where it gets a little challenging. Because it comes into the battle of what we want versus what God wants for us. And that's why it requires obedience. So back to the difference between those, the joy and happiness. The joy he died to give us is challenged by our own desire to be happy. Happiness can be a quick or a cheap fix sometimes. It's emotion that's tied to something that's pleasing to us, but it quickly fades, and it always leaves us wanting more. The passage, when you first read it, sounds a little tough to me, almost like an ultimatum. Be obedient or no joy. If you want the joy, you've got to be obedient. We don't like people telling us what to do, but we do want joy, even though what we think we want and seek after is happiness. What he really is telling us is that this offer of complete joy, which God created us to have, is available to us if we follow his lead and not our own desires, and seeking joy and not just happiness. If the choices we're making are out of desire for happiness and not the selflessness that comes from trying to love others, it's not going to work. The gift that Jesus gives us is never forced but it's freely offered through grace. It's an outcome and a product of us following the example of our Savior's purpose 
and accepting that free gift of grace and the joy that he tells us he has and he wants us to enjoy as well. So the gift of joy involves for us loving God, being obedient to his way and not our way. And you know what? It really is not that hard to discern the difference between those two, is it? If we take an honest look. And then lastly, to love others. His joy that comes at this season can be the joy that we enjoy also. My encouragement to all of us this season is to put our longing for complete joy ahead of our desire for happiness. Complete joy is offered to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise of your son. Thank you for the example that he set for us. And thank you for creating in us a longing and a space for true and complete joy that only your son can offer. We are thankful, Father, in Jesus' name.